You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For 2,000 years, Christians have believed that, that Jesus experienced an actual physical resurrection, that he was crucified on the cross, that he was placed in the tomb, that his body lay there for the better part of three days, and then that very first Easter Sunday, he was resurrected. I'm telling y'all, I've been to the Holy Land. I've been to the traditional sites. I've been to the historical sites. The tomb is empty. He's not there. Good news, okay? The tomb is empty. He's alive. And you know what that reminds me of today? That the Jesus we celebrate on Easter, the Son of God, he actually came to us in flesh and blood. He had a body. Like we believe in a God who's experienced everything that we go through as human beings. Why? Because he's been one. He's experienced everything we go through, hurt and disappointment and loss. Like we, we believe in a God. We celebrate a God who's even been to the other side of death and come back and come back to us. That's what we know today. Jesus reveals to us a God who has walked in our shoes and, and he understands what it is to be human. He gets us. He gets us. In fact, we're kicking off a new teaching series next week. And I want to invite you to come back and join us because next week's teaching series, we're going to look at different stories from the life of Jesus. And we're going to talk about this idea that he's not just a, a God up there, an unknowable God up there somewhere, but he's the God who came down here into planet Earth and, and he gets us because he's been one of us. Today, I want to talk to you about how Jesus gets us in our grief and disappointment, how he meets us there. And I know that we're celebrating today. Come on, I know many of us are wearing pastel colors and we're going home to a good meal today. Some of y'all are going to eat some ham and we're going to eat some chocolate bunnies and we're going to splurge on some Reese's peanut butter eggs. Can I get an amen? Somebody. We're celebrating. That's all good. I know it's a day of celebration, but in the midst of our celebration, I wonder if there are some of you who are carrying a heavy heart. Maybe you're experiencing some hurt, some disappointment, some grief, some doubts. You know, I heard Pastor Rick Warren say something one time that stuck with me. He said, life isn't so much a series of hills and valleys. He said, it's actually more like a railroad tracks. And one set of rails is the good things happening in your life. And the other rail is the bad things happening in your life at the same time. And so maybe in the midst of our Easter celebration, there are some, some things that, we're, that are weighing heavy in our hearts today. And today, I want us to look at a a story of where Jesus met some people who he loved in their grief, in their moment of grief. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, and we're going to look at the story of Lazarus. And uh, this is a very appropriate story for Easter because, spoiler alert, it ends with a resurrection. And so let me just summarize the first few verses for you in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Uh, Lazarus was from a village named Bethany near Jerusalem. And he and his sisters, Mary and Martha, they were very close friends of Jesus. In fact, John tells us in the opening verses that Jesus loved Lazarus. He was like a brother to Jesus. Jesus was so close to Lazarus and his sisters that he stayed at their home during his final days. During the Passion Week, he stayed with them there in Bethany. That's how close he was to this family. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is very sick, but he doesn't go to Lazarus right away. He waits two days. And before Jesus is able to get to Lazarus, he succumbs to his sickness and he passes away. 
But listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse four. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Come on, we have an advantage in reading this story. We have an advantage over the characters in this story because we know what Jesus says. This sickness sickness will not end in death, but it's gonna end in God receiving glory. So keep that in mind as we read this story together. Let's pick it up. John chapter 11, verses 17 through 20. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So the first thing we see in this story is that Martha and her sister and her family, they're grieving. Their friends and their family have come out from the surrounding areas to to be with them and to comfort them during this time. And this was actually the Jewish custom of Shiva, which traditionally was seven days of grieving. You sat on the floor together and you mourned with the family, okay? In American culture, we would just add to that, we would just eat for like seven days. Like here, have another Reese's peanut butter egg, okay? And we're all gonna sit here and mourn together. In fact, this practice is still common to this day in the Jewish world. So they're grieving. And I wonder how many of you on this Easter Sunday can relate to Martha. How many of you have experienced some form, some form of grief? Maybe it is the the recent loss of a loved one, of a friend, of a family member. Maybe it's the loss of a job or some opportunity. Maybe it's a relationship that didn't work out. Maybe it's a divorce after you worked so hard to fix, to fix your, your marriage. Maybe it's the the grief of, of lapsing back into an addiction and you hurt the people who you love the most. I heard a pastor friend of mine recently say that it seems like our nation is living through a season of collective grieving. You know, in the, in the post-pandemic era, there's been this mental health crisis and there's been so much economic and political turmoil and there's so much divisiveness in, in our country. And I think we feel that, don't we? Maybe in the midst of our celebrations today, some of you are experiencing a sense of grief or maybe you resonate with that, that sense of collective grief in our nation. Well, let's keep going in our story Look at verses 21 and 22 in this interaction between Mary and Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. See, not only is Martha grieving, but she's also disappointed. She's experiencing disappointment with God. Have you ever been there before? Can we just have some of y'all? I knew you. I don't don't know this. I'm going to give you permission. It's okay. We can have an honest moment in church, okay? Can we have an honest moment in church? Have you ever been in a season where there was disappointment with God? You know, where you, where you were kind of like Martha, like, God, where were you when? <laughs> like, God, if you had been there, right? Like, like God, where, where were you when, when, uh, when I was praying for that, that sick loved one? Where were you when I went through that financial turmoil? Where were you when my heart got broken? Where were you during the Jets football season, like the last couple of years? Come on, Jets fans, we're praying for you. There's always next year. Oh, right, y'all gotta lighten up, it's Easter. Some of y'all are new. Y'all don't know it's okay to laugh in church. Have a coffee, relax, we're gonna have fun today. Where were you, God? Where were you, God? Martha's disappointed because she believed that Jesus was capable of healing her brother, but he didn't. Do you see the disappointment here? Like, like Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You, you were the one person who could have done something about it, and I don't understand your timing. And so she questions Jesus. Side note, can I just encourage you today? You know what this tells me? God can handle our questions. 
God can handle our questions. There's a season when we need to ask why. There's a season when it's natural for us to grieve and to ask why. And God gives us permission to ask questions. Jesus can handle your questions. He understands. He, He gets it. But here's the thing, your grief and disappointment and doubt, it can either cause you to pull away from God or it can be the catalyst, the very thing that causes our hearts to turn toward God. I want to encourage you today. Maybe, you, maybe you've had some, some doubts. I want you to know that it doesn't have to pull you away. That can be the very thing that pulls you toward God today. And that's what we see in the life of Martha. Look at verse 22. Look at what she says. But I know that even now, God, God will give you whatever you ask. I know Jesus, God, the Father, will give you whatever you ask. What a remarkable statement. In the midst of her grief and disappointment, she still has faith. Despite all that she's experiencing, her faith was still present. See, genuine Faith is often faith in the presence of doubts. Sometimes we have faith and questions at the same time, don't we? Somebody needs to know that today. Maybe you walked in here today and you say, Pastor Jeremy, I have questions. I have questions for God. I've got some, I've got some doubts. Maybe this is your first time in church in a long time. A friend invited you, shared this broadcast with you. And you'd say, Pastor Jeremy, like sometimes I feel a little bit disqualified. I don't always feel like the best Christian because I don't always have like, you know, the biggest, the biggest faith. Can I just encourage you today? Your doubts don't disqualify you. Your doubts don't disqualify you. What do you do when you have faith in God, but at the same time you're experiencing some doubts and some disappointments? Well, you do what Martha did and you just keep pursuing Jesus. Come on, you just keep taking steps toward Jesus, toward prayer, toward worship, toward the presence of God toward reading the word of God. You just keep taking steps toward Jesus because the strongest faith is faith that grows through your doubts. Can I encourage you today? That's real faith. That's genuine faith. That's that's battle-tested faith. That's the kind of faith that'll carry you through a lifetime of following Jesus. Real faith is is faith that's been been through some doubts and it's built to last. And so let's continue our story. John chapter 11, verses 23 through 27, Martha and Jesus are having this conversation. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Come on, he begins to speak faith and hope into Martha. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. So Jesus begins to speak hope into Martha in the form of five words. Your brother will rise again. And notice Martha's reply in verse 24. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, what is Martha talking about? The Jewish belief in the resurrection started long before Jesus. It was the day when God was going to raise the dead and judge the world, the day that every wrong was going to be set right. And it was a day that the Jewish people longed for. And what Martha professed to believe is what the church calls the blessed hope. For 2,000 years, the church has proclaimed Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Come on, not only did Jesus rise again on that first Easter, but, but he's going to return. He's going to come back and everyone who believes in him will also be resurrected to new life. In fact, I love, I love the message version of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Look, look at this. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. 
What hope we have as Christians. This is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ that very first Easter, but we hold on to the hope and the promise of eternal life, that our bodies aren't going to just rot in a grave, but one day he's going to return and we're going to be raised to new life in a new heavens and a new earth. Don't discount Martha's, Martha's statement. This brings us great comfort, especially in times of loss. You see, we human beings, we don't just have a sin problem. You've probably heard that before. Jesus came to save you from your sins. We don't just have a sin problem. We have a death problem. We have a death problem as human beings. See, death doesn't sit right with us, does it? It doesn't sit right with us. The reality is the great longing, the great tragedy of the human experience is that we long for transcendence, yet every one of us, there's one thing we all have in common in this place. We all know that one day we're going to die. We all know that, that we have an expiration date and it doesn't sit right with us and it shouldn't because scripture tells us we weren't made for death. We were made for life. We were made in the image of God, but humanity rebelled against God and with, with uh, sin came the curse of death. And so death doesn't sit right with us. Here's the good news. Jesus took care of your sin problem at the cross. He took care of your death problem at his resurrection and we hold on to the hope that we're gonna be raised to new life. And let me tell you something. This means something to me. This, this is personal. This isn't just, just preacher talk. You know, just a few weeks ago, we said goodbye. We said until we meet again to one of our, our dear church members, uh, Dave Serrano, who was up on this stage just a few months ago playing guitar, leading worship. And I'm going to tell you, his death didn't sit right with me. It didn't sit right with me to see one of my brothers, one of my friends at 49 years old, a father of three, waste away from cancer and to have to say goodbye to him. It didn't sit right with me. Death doesn't sit right with us. But the hope that we hold on to is that the grave is not final, that Jesus conquered death. That Come on, we're going to be reunited with loved ones and friends and church family like Dave one day. That is the hope that we hold on to. That is the hope that Martha professed. Because of the resurrection, we can face Death without fear. Speaking of facing death without fear, I heard the story of a pastor who was on the Titanic when it sank, uh, Reverend John Harper. He was a Scottish Baptist pastor. And uh, when, when the Titanic was going down, he placed his daughter on, his only daughter on a lifeboat. And of course, it was women and children first. And so he ended up in the, in the frigid waters of the North Atlantic, like so many other people, and he began swimming frantically to people to lead them to Christ because he recognized that, that the hypothermia was going to set in and many people were going to die. And he was seen swimming up to people and asking them, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? And he swam up to this one young man who was on some debris and, and he asked him, are you saved? And the man said, no. And he asked him if he would like to receive Jesus. And the young man was kind of in shock and he said, no. And John Harper took off his life preserver and he threw it to him. And he said, you need this more than me. And he swam to other people in the ocean that night, leading people to Jesus. A few minutes later, he swam back up to this young man and he led him to Christ. Four years later, this young man stood up at a survivor's meeting, a meeting of survivors of the Titanic disaster, and he shared how John Harper led him to Jesus Christ and how he watched John Harper swim around to so many people and, and share Jesus with them. And he eventually succumbed, Reverend Harper eventually succumbed to the frigid waters of the North Atlantic. And the last thing he said before he went down under the waters was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Talk about no fear of death. How is that possible? That was only possible because John Harper was convinced deep down in his soul that one day he would be raised to new life. Talk about taking, out the, the, taking away the sting of death, the fear of death. That is the power of the resurrection, church. That is the life-changing power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Martha professes faith in the future hope of the resurrection. But at the same time, you can, you can sense a dissatisfaction in her response. Martha was saying, hey, Jesus, look, I know what I'm supposed to believe, right? Like, I know my theology. I know there's going to be a resurrection one day. But what difference does that make to me now? Like, it seemed like Jesus was giving Martha the very last thing she needed in this moment, a Sunday school lesson. Have you ever found yourself in a difficult season when you were hurting, you were grieving, and somebody came along and said something really spiritual to you, trying to help you out, but it didn't help at all? And you smiled, but deep down on the inside, you were thinking, get out of my face, please. That doesn't help me at all, right? <laughs> Martha's kind of having one of, those, one of those moments. Like, have you ever felt like Martha? Like, I know what I learned in Sunday school. I, learned, I know what I learned in CCD and what I've been taught in church. I know my doctrine, but could this gospel, could this Christianity thing be true for, for my situation here and now? Like, what happens when your dreams die? What happens when life doesn't turn out like what you hoped it would turn out to be. Well, what happens when you've made some serious mistakes and you've hurt people who you love and you've been hurt by people who you love? Like, does this Christianity thing work here and now? Does this Christianity thing work in times like these? Jesus looks at Martha and he hears that question and he hears the questions that we ask and he responds in verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Though The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, Martha, she had faith for the promise of a future resurrection. But what she failed to, to realize was that the one who embodied resurrection, the very author and giver of life was standing right before her. And Jesus was able to do in the present what she had only hoped for in the future. Jesus was able to do that because he was the very source of resurrection life. He was saying, Martha, I'm the very source and giver of life. The creator is standing right before you. I love the message version of this, verse 25. Here's what Jesus said. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life even now in this moment. Jesus was saying to, to Martha, the resurrection was more than simply a coming prophetic moment, a prophetic event. Jesus was saying, I am right now the one who embodies your hopes in this place, in this moment. And let me tell you, church, Easter isn't just a nice message about going to heaven one day. We thank God for that. But it's, it's about a quality of life that we can experience in the here and now. Come on. It's not about bad people turn good. It's about dead people raised to life. It's about dead people made alive. Come on. Jesus said, it's life and life more abundantly. It's eternal life that begins now and carries on into the future. What does it look like? It looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. It looks like beauty, goodness, and truth. It looks like salvation and healing and freedom. Come on, it looks like life and life more abundantly. We thank God for the hope of the future, but I'm so thankful for the quality of life that we can experience now for those who walk with Jesus for those who know his grace and his mercy and live with God's presence in, in your life. That's what, that's what Easter is all about. Jesus meets us even in our grief and disappointment, and he offers us resurrection life, a new quality of life that we can live in. Here's the idea. Jesus can transform our grief 
and disappointment into an opportunity to experience new life. Can I encourage you today, if you're in that category, if you're like most people, you have the good things happening in your life, the difficult things that are happening in your life at the same time, can I just encourage you today? Those don't have to be things that push you away from God. If you've got doubts, if you've got questions, if you've got grievances, take those things to our loving God who we see revealed to us in the person of Jesus who can meet you there. He gets us. He gets us because he's been there before. He's walked in our shoes and he'll meet you. So three things Jesus gives us quickly. He gives us in our grieving, in our time of grieving. Here's the first one. Number one, in our grief, Jesus gives us his presence. In our grief, he gives us his presence. Jesus showed up to Mary and Martha during their time of grieving. He didn't send a Hallmark card. He didn't send a messenger. Jesus came. After he talked to Martha, if you read the story for yourself, he pretty much had an identical conversation with with her sister Mary, where she asked, where were you, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't even respond. He sees her weeping. He sees her grieving. And in the shortest verse in all of the Bible, here's what he did in John 11, verse 35. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Not only does Jesus give us permission to grieve, but he grieves with us. Jesus gets us. He knows what it is to experience loss and he's with us in, in those times of grieving. And I can't explain to you why we go through everything that we go through, but here's what we know. It's not because God doesn't care. It's not because he doesn't care because we hear, here we see in the story that Jesus loved Lazarus. He didn't cause Lazarus' sickness and he was there. He was present during their time of grief. He's with us. The scripture says he's close to the brokenhearted. Here's the second thing, number two, in our doubt, Jesus gives us faith. In our doubt, Jesus gives us faith. What did Jesus do when Martha came to him? He began speaking faith to her. Notice Jesus didn't rebuke her. Jesus didn't correct her. Jesus didn't say, come on, Martha, pull it together. Don't you know me better than that? You got to muster up some faith. Come on. He didn't talk like church people talk. He just met her right where she was. If you're running a little bit low on faith today, I've got good news for you. Jesus will loan you some. So often we think of faith as something that we, we generate. And I do believe there's a, a response we should have. But the reality is faith is often the gift of God. If you're running low on faith, Jesus will begin to give you some of his faith. He'll speak it into your life. That's what he did for Martha, and he'll do that for us. One of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture, it, it's a, such a sincere prayer. It, it comes from the Gospels. There was a story where Jesus met a man whose son was possessed by an evil spirit and his son desperately needed healing and freedom. And he said to Jesus, if you can help. And Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. And the man said, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. And that prayer always touches me because I think it's one of the most sincere prayers in all of scripture. It's such a human prayer. Like it's such a prayer that I think most of us who aren't superhero Christians can relate to. to. God, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. And maybe some of you walked in here today and you don't feel like the most faith-filled person. Maybe your, your faith tank is running a little bit low today. Maybe it's your first time ever in a church like this. Maybe you're still sorting it all out. But, but I want to just say congratulations. You made it here today. Come on, you got here this far. You showed up to church on Easter and I believe God God is building your faith today. And maybe it starts with that simple prayer of just saying, God, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And can I just encourage you today? He won't judge you. He won't condemn you. Jesus will say, I can work with a prayer like that. I can meet you there. And he'll begin to, he'll begin to give you faith because in our doubts, he meets us in our doubts and he gives us faith. Here's the third thing. Number three, in our disappointment, Jesus gives us hope. Come on, somebody say hope this morning. Hope, hope. We need hope. If there's anything we need this Easter, we need hope. In our disappointment, Jesus gives us hope. Jesus was the embodiment of hope. We open the Gospels and we read everywhere Jesus went. He brought hope to people. 
He touched and cleansed lepers. He opened the eyes of the blind. He set people free. He even raised the dead to life. Like Jesus was the embodiment of hope. And let me tell you, there's no hope like the hope of Easter, like the hope of a resurrected Savior who not only saves us from our sins, but will one day rescue us from death and give us resurrected bodies. Do you know that's what Christians believe? We're going to be raised to new life. We're going to have resurrected, glorified bodies in a new heavens and a new earth. And some of y'all ought to clap and get excited because you've been working hard on your beach bod to get ready for this summer so you look good in that bathing suit. Come on, you've been working hard. One day you're going to have a glorified body. You're going to be able to eat whatever you want and you're not going to gain weight. It's going to be awesome. Amen, somebody. (laughs) You ought to get excited about Easter. (laughs) This is the only world religion. This is the only world religion that doesn't spiritualize the afterlife. We're not just going to be like angels sitting on clouds playing harps. No, 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 no. We're going to be raised to new life. People ask, will I be able to recognize my loved ones? Of course. We're going to see each other. We're going to know each other. We're going to be church family in heaven. There's going to be rejoicing. The world is going to be put back to right. The curse is going to be reversed and broken. And we're not going to be in some grave. We're going to be raised to new life in him. That is the hope of the Christian faith. I recently read something that the great Christian author, Johnny Erickson Tata, wrote. Some of you know her work. Johnny, yeah, she's actually named for her father, so her name is Johnny. Her father's name was John. And Johnny Erickson Tata is a, a profound Christian author. She's read, written dozens of, of books, and she's, uh, she's paralyzed. She's in a wheelchair. What a remarkable woman. She actually paints. She learned how to paint uh, with, a, with a brush in her mouth. Like, what's our excuse not to be artistic, right? And she paints and does these beautiful paintings. And, and uh, tragically, when she was a teenager, she had an accident. She one day was diving into the Chesapeake Bay and she misjudged the depths of the water and she had a catastrophic spinal cord injury and she's a quadriplegic. She's paralyzed from the neck down. And of course, you know, early on she was in despair. She wanted to die and she met God in a very real way. And out of that has become her life as a beautiful testimony, beautiful testimony in these books and her artwork. And um, I recently read something she shared growing up in the Episcopal church. There was this moment when the priest during the liturgy would invite people to kneel and every time the priest invited people to kneel, Joni would begin to weep because she was in a, Johnny would begin to weep because she was in a, a wheelchair. And it was just a reminder, once again, that she was never going to have a normal life, that she couldn't even fully participate in the church service until one day she went to church on Easter and she heard the pastor, she heard the priest proclaim the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that all who trust in him will one day be raised to new life and have a resurrected body. And she wrote this, I suddenly realized that when I get to the wedding feast of the lamb, that's just a picture of the celebration in heaven. The first thing I'll be able to do on my rescue legs is drop down on grateful, glorified knees and kneel quietly before the feet of Jesus. And then I'm going to get on my feet and I'm going to dance. Can you imagine the hope that the resurrection gives someone with a spinal cord injury like me? Isn't that amazing? I think every one of us could grab a hold of that last question and say, can you imagine the hope that the resurrection gives to someone like me in your need, in your situation? Like that is real hope. When Jesus returns, all that is wrong is going to be made right. Not just our bodies, everything. If you feel empty, you will be satisfied. If you feel lonely, you will be welcomed and loved. If you're broken and we all are, you will be fixed. That is the hope of the resurrection. But it gets even better than that. Jesus not only gives us hope for the future, but he gives us real hope in the present. Resurrection life. Come on. He gives us a new lease on life. We're no longer defined by our failures and sins. Our mistakes no longer define us. Come on, Christianity is not just about a bunch of 
perfect people gathering together on Easter to sing songs and worship and feel really good about our good lives. That's not what Easter is about, if you're wondering. Christianity is for people like you and me who have blown it. People who need a second chance. People who need grace. People who met God in our need and he redeemed our lives. He set us free. He turned us around and he's given us a new lease on life and we now have life and life more abundantly. That's what Easter is about. And so let me just take you to the rest of the story. John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. I love the old King James Version. It says, Lord, he stinketh. In street language, she's like, Lord, he's stanky. He's been dead for four days. Look at verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus makes good on his promise. This sickness will not end in death, but so that God will be glorified. And he calls Lazarus forth from the dead. But my favorite verse is what Jesus says in verse 44. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus Jesus didn't leave Lazarus all wrapped up in in, in the symbols of death. Come on, Jesus wasn't going to leave him all wrapped up in the bandages. He he says, take the grave clothes off of him. Take the bandages off of him. You know what that tells me? Like, Like Jesus doesn't want us to settle for a little powerless religion where we're just limping through life, barely making it, just hoping one day we can get to heaven. So let's all sit around and hold hands and sing, I'll fly away, oh glory. No, no, he's got something so much better for us. Jesus would say to you on this Easter, I have something so much better for you. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Some of you right now, you're feeling like you're limping through life. There's been some real hurts. There's been some real disappointments. There's been some real grief. And maybe you just feel like you're going through the motions. You're just going through life. Here's what I want to tell you today. Jesus invites you to follow him. And he gives you a new quality of life so that you're not just going through life, but you have the very life of Jesus Christ going through you. It will sustain you. The Apostle Paul said the same spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that resides on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God, when you place your faith in Jesus. And that is the power that will sustain you. That's the good news. That's what the good news of the gospel is all about. It's, it's, it's experiencing the resurrection life of Jesus Christ in the here and now. It's about a future hope that invades the present, that will invade your, your grief, that will in, invade your disappointment, invade, invade your doubts. So Jesus, he calls Lazarus forth. Picture this. He calls him forth. He calls Lazarus to new life, to live in light of the resurrection. Not just to walk around like a zombie, barely making it, but take off the grave clothes. I've called Lazarus to have a new lease on life. And I want you to get this. Can you imagine how from that day forward, Lazarus's life was different? You know, one of the fun things I like to do when I read scriptures is use my sanctified imagination to fill in the blanks because we don't get all the story, right? We don't really know what the rest of Lazarus's life 
was like, but can you imagine? Talk about a conversation starter when Lazarus showed up at a party, right? Hey, you're Lazarus. Aren't you the guy that Jesus raised from the And Lazarus was like, yeah, that's me. Uh-huh. Just nodding and said, yeah, that's me. I'm him. <laughs> I'm that guy. Can you imagine, like, imagine how Lazarus's life from that day forward was never the same. Like he goes down in history. He's not known for his sickness. He's not known for his death. He's known for the guy that Jesus raised to life. Literally the resurrection shaped his identity. Church, do you see it this morning? Jesus is inviting us to a resurrection shaped life. He's inviting us to walk with him, to know him, to know his presence, to be filled with his spirit, to walk with our good God, to live in light of the resurrection so that it shapes our lives. Lazarus became a walking, talking, living billboard. His life was a living advertisement for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that is what God is calling us to experience. And let me just tell you, let me stand up here confidently on this Easter Sunday and tell you, I can proclaim this with boldness to you today. Because I am a believer because I have experienced the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. I'm not a believer just because I was raised in church or my dad's a preacher or I went to Bible college and seminary. I thank God for every one of those foundational things that have shaped me. But I'm standing here today proclaiming this to you with passion because I know who I would be apart from Jesus Christ. I know the kind of man I would be. I know the kind of father I would be. I know the kind of husband I would be if not for the grace of God. The resurrection life of Jesus Christ that sustains me every day. And I can stand up here today passionately and tell you there's no better decision you can ever make than to follow Jesus, than to say yes to Jesus, than to live in light of his resurrection power. And so I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. The worship team's coming back. We're going to sing a final song in just a moment. I want to pray for you. Would you stand with me? If you're new to our church, this is just a moment of reflection. It's a moment to reflect on the message and what God is speaking to us today. Would you stand with me all over this place? Just bow your heads for a moment in reverence before God today. And I know in this place, in a room this size, and those of you watching online, I know some of us were experiencing some doubts. Some of us were carrying some hurt in our heart. Even in the midst of our celebration today, there's some heavy things in our hearts. There's some, some questions. There's some why God moments. There's some grieving. And I want you to know today that Jesus He's not just the God who's up there somewhere. He's the God who's walked in your shoes. And he says to you today, I know how you feel. I've been there. He gets it. He gets us. He gets your loss. He gets your hurt. He gets your disappointment because he's lived through it. And he says, I now, right now in front of you, I, I am Jesus. I am the resurrection and life. And whoever believes in me, though he or she were dead, yet shall he live you can experience that resurrection life. And so would you pray with me, Father? We thank you. We thank you on this Easter celebration that Jesus is alive. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for resurrection power. Jesus, we thank you. That same spirit that raised you from the dead is the same spirit you want to give to your people to sustain us so that we can walk through this life in victory. And I pray right now for every person in this place that they would know you, that they would know that power, they would know your presence, that especially those who are grieving today, God, I thank you that the word, your scripture says, the scripture says you're close to the brokenhearted, that you are with us today and you invite us to follow you and to know you and to know your life, life and life more abundantly. And Lord, even in this moment as we're praying, I want to pray for the person today who would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want that. I want to have that kind of relationship with God. Even as you're describing that today, I want that kind of relationship with God, but he feels so far away. 
you feel so far away. My faith feels so low today, and I have doubts, and I have questions. And if I'm honest today, I don't know if I could face death without fear like Reverend John Harper, but I want to have that kind of assurance. I want to have that kind of confidence. And there's something in my heart that longs for that today. And if that's you today, we believe that that, that tug in your heart, it's the tug of a, of a loving God who is leading you to himself by his son Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you to himself today. And if there's a tug on your heart today, it just all we have to do is respond is just simply say yes to Jesus today. He's inviting you to say yes to him all over this place, in person, online. He's inviting you to say yes to him today. And so would you just pray that prayer with me today? Jesus, I give you my yes. Come on, all over this room for the first time, for the hundredth time. Jesus, I give you my yes. I place my faith in you today. I believe you are who you said you are, the son of God, that you lived a sinless life on my behalf, that you went to the cross for my sins and you were raised to give me new life. I turn from my sin and I place my faith in you. I receive your resurrection life. Amen. Father, I thank you for every person who prayed that prayer in this place. Jesus, we thank you that whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We celebrate new life in this place, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.